ಓಂ ಜ್ಞಾನಂಜನಶಲಕಾಯ ಚಕ್ಷುರುಮಿಳಿತೀರುವೇನಮಜನೋಲಂಬತೋಜೋಕನಕಾಬಾತು ಏಸಿ ಭಕ್ತಿ ವಿರಾಂತ ಸ್ವಾಮಿ ಪ್ರೌಪಾದ ಕಿ ಜಯ ಭಕ್ತಿ ರಕ್ಷಕ ಶ್ರೀ ದೇವ ಗೋಸ್ವಾಮಿ ಮಹಾರಾಜ ಕಿ ಜಯ ಶ್ರೀ ಭಕ್ತಿ ಶ್ರೀರಾಮ ಸರಸ್ವತಿ ಠಾಕೂರ್ ಪ್ರೌಪಾದ ಕಿ ಜಯ ಶ್ರೀ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಕವಿರಾಜ್ ಗೋಸ್ವಾಮಿ ಮಹಾಶಾಯ ಕಿ ಜಯ ಚೈತನ್ಯ ಚರಿತಾಮೃತ ಕಿ ಜಯ ಗೋ ಭಕ್ತ ವೃಂದ ಕಿ ಜಯ ಓ ಪ್ರೇಮಾನೇ the import and the structure of Chaitanya Charitamrita Adi Leela and with that in mind we've given an overview of Adi Leela thus far in terms of all of the different chapters how they work and how one proceeds from the other how the first 14 verses of Adi Leela constitute the Mangalacharan of this work the auspicious invocation and how those 14 verses are then elaborated upon in the subsequent chapters in chapter 1 first and second verses of the mangalacharan are explained in detail and we are just now coming to krishna's kaviraj goswami's explanation of that first mangalacharan verse which is found in the second part of the first chapter try to follow all of this it's important the first mangal charan verse and the second mangal charan verse are both explained in chapter 1 and they both constitute what there are three elements in the mangal charan krishna's kaviraj goswami has explained who can say what they are namaskar ashirvad is another vastu nidesh so the first two verses are namaskar both general verse 1 and specific he's given in the second verse the third verse is the vastunidesh shloka of chaitanya charitamrita where the subject is described we discussed yesterday in brief this verse parallels an important verse from simad bhagavatam vadanti tat tat vividas tatvam yad gyanam advayam brahmeti paramatmeti bhagavan iti shabdite with one difference one addition who can say what that is That's correct. Verse of Bhagavatam states that the absolute truth is advaigan tattva, non-dual consciousness, expressed variously as Bhagavan, Paramatma and Brahman. Brahmiti Paramatmiti Bhagavaniti Shabdate. Expressed and realized variously by different types of transcendentalists. Gyanis, they realize Brahman, the yogis Paramatma and the devotees Bhagavan. We also mentioned yesterday that there's evidence in Bhagavatam that Krishna himself is Bhagavan Brahman and Paramatma. Where did we hear that from? That's right. When Krishna gave darshan to Varuna, Varuna said Nama Brahmani Paramatmani Bhagavan to Krishna. So Krishna is that non-dual truth. known as Brahman Paramatma and Bhagavan and the difference only in one sense between the Vasudeva shloka of Chaitanya Charitamrita third shloka of Krishna's Kaviraj's Mangalacharan and that shloka of Srimad Bhagavatam is what that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu he says is that Krishna who is Advaigantattva who is known variously as Brahman Paramatma and Bhagavan and then he seeks to prove that in the second chapter of Chaitanya Charitamrita Adi Lila dedicated to explaining the third verse of the Mangalacharan which is the Vastunidesh shloka of the whole book and fourth verse is the Ashirvad shloka and third chapter is dedicated to explaining that fifth verse and sixth verse are explained in the fourth chapter while the Ashirvad shloka explains the external reasons for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's descent the fifth and sixth verses explained in chapter 4 
explain the mulprayojan, the internal cause. And then in the Mangal Charan of Krishna Kaviraj Goswami, he gives five more verses in glorification of whom? Nityananda Prabhu. Those verses he explains in chapter five. Then he gives two verses in his Mangal Charan explaining the glories of Advaita, who is then explained in the sixth chapter, and then Panchatattva in one verse of his Mangal Charan, the concluding verse of his Mangal Charan, and that is explained in chapter seven. And then in eighth chapter, what happens? Krishnats Kaviraj Goswami explains how he came to write Chaitanya Charitamrita. He shows his offers his respects to Vishnu, the author of Chaitanya Bhagavat. And then in ninth chapter he begins to describe the figurative tree of love of God, the fruits and the branches, which are so many devotees, whom he then describes further in chapters ten, eleven and twelve, and then we come to the advent of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and then the Kumar Lila, Pogonda Lila, Kishore and Yovan Lila, and Mahaprabhu takes sannyas, and Adi Lila is concluded. So as I mentioned, the purpose of these classes is that you learn all these things. This will be very useful for you. This is why these Mahatmas, great souls, have taken the time to write all these things. This will be very useful for us for doing our bhajan, for fueling our practice. Granted, everyone is not a big intellectual, so what should we do in that case? If we want nishta bhajana kriya, the kind of bhajana kriya that will remove anarthas, what should we do? Srimad Bhagavatam says, Nastapraeshu abhadreshu nityam bhagavata sevaya bhagavati uttama shlokir bhaktir bhavati nashtiki. This will come later in this chapter also, indirectly, when Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami describes the second verse of Mangalachar in his second Namaskar verse. Bande Sikrishna Chaitan Nitanda Sohodito Godai Pushpabanto Chitro Sandalta Monodo. He says these two, we'll hear it. Bring us in touch with two Bhagavatas. Book Bhagavatam and Person Bhagavatam. And Simad Bhagavatam says these two Bhagavatams they should be served. We should regularly hear Simad Bhagavatam and serve the person Bhagavatam. Nasta Praeshu Abhadreshu. And all Abhadra, practically all Abhadra, inauspicious things, Anartas, will be removed from the heart. Nasta Praeshu Abhadreshu Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya. This is the means. Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya. Hearing attentively Srimad Bhagavatam. Srimad Bhagavatam is an explanation of Vedanta Sutra. All doubts will be cleared by this. Bhagavati Uttama Shloki Bhakti Bhavati Nashtiki will one will become Nashtiki Nishta fixed up. And the implication is relative to my question, what will you do if you're not you don't have much intellectual capacity to study all the scripture? I was lecturing along these lines in one place and some people complained that it's too much knowledge. You have to learn too much. They were devotees. They were complaining, you have to learn too much. Why can't I just chant Hare Krishna and be happy? I said, you can also do that. If you don't have tendency for learning so much, then the person who knows all these things, you should serve that person. Very faithfully, very dedicated way. You need both. If you have the aptitude, you study all these books very carefully and serve the person, Bhagavatam, from whom you learn all these things. And if you can't, you don't have that nature, then you have to serve the person Bhagavatam. So you kind of get around this. So, then today, 14 verses of Mangal Charm were explained, and then Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami offered his obeisances to Teen Thakur, three deities that are very dear, he said, to Gaudi Vaishnavas in Vrindavan. Madan Mohan, Gundadev, and Gopinath. And we discussed how they represent Sambandha, Abhidhe, and Parayojana. Charya's writings amongst the Sadgosamis that correspond with these three deities and these three Sambandabhide and Prayojana, Sanatan Gosami, Rupa Gosami, Raghunathas Gosami, respectively. We discuss how the deities are said to have been manifest under the direction of the grandson of Krishna and how each had one aspect that he said, yes, that is Krishna. From feet to the waist, Madan Mohan, 
And again, this is the ground we stand on then, Sambandha Gyan. By cultivating Sambandha Gyan, we get impetus in form of a proper conceptual orientation. According to our conceptual orientation, then we're going to move, we're going to do something. So proper conceptual orientation in Sambandha Gyan means that we move, that means do something with our arms, accomplish something. That is the Abhideya of Bhakti. In the city, the Govinda Dev was perfect from waist up to the shoulders, representing Abhideya and Gopinath from the neck up, Prayojan, smiling face of Krishna. We heard a little bit also how Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami took shelter of Madan Mohanji, and that is elaborated on the, in the eighth chapter where he describes how he came to write this great treatise, Chaitanya Tritamritam. And what did Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami do? What has he written? After this, he's offered his obeisances to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Nityananda Prabhu, Advaita, Panchatattva, so forth. He offers his obeisances to whom next? To all my readers, to all of us, we are embarrassed by this. His humility is the standard of Trinada Pisunichena in terms of the writing of the Nityaparikara of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And we get a glimpse of it here. The full picture appears in the fifth chapter when he tells the glories of Nityananda Prabhu and what happened to him getting the creep of Nityananda which sent him to Vrindavan and how he thought of himself. What was the nature of the experience of having such a contact with the Godhead? How humbling it was for him. He called himself more low than a worm in the stool. If you hear my name, he said, you lose your piety. If you chant my name, you commit impious acts. We shudder at this. So, Sakalabhashnav Shunakori Ekman Chaitanya Krishna Shastra Mata Nirupan. So, this, after offering his obeisances to us, he asks a humble request. What is that? Sakalabhashnav, Olabhashnav, hear this one thing. I'm making my request. Ekman Chaitanya Krishna Shastra Matanirupan. Please hear with concentration, paying attention, as if your life depended upon it, about my description of Sri Krishna Chaitanya, which I will support with various citations from Shastra, Shastra Praman, which is based on the Matanirupan of the Shastra, the opinion of the Shastra. He said, I'm not going to say anything here that is not in accordance with Scripture. And what he's saying is revolutionary. We have to understand this point. Goswamis, and subsequently Krishnas Kaviraj Goswami, in his book, found a way within the Shastra to support their contention as to the divinity of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Ramanuja won't accept that. Sri Vaishnavas. Madhvas, they won't accept that. Nimbarkis, they won't accept that. Even Balaba Sampradaya, and Balaba was contemporary of Mahaprabhu, and he's mentioned in Chaitanya Charitamrita, they will not accept that. We accept that. Why do we accept that? We have come in touch with the Guru Parampara of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and on the basis of that, our faith has developed. We get some tradha, we get some experience, and then based on that, we develop a way of evaluating and understanding and reasoning. There are other kinds of reasoning and although we think our reasoning is perfect and our citations of the Shastra are conclusive, we should also know that many people know the Shastra in different sampradaya and they will never accept your conclusive evidence. So Shastra is a little more supple, it's a little more flexible than sometimes the Kanishtadikari makes it out to be. The principle I, that is important to understand is that the Gosamis they perceived the divinity of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, obviously a divine personality, and so therefore they felt that the Shastra has to accommodate him. It must. So you can't put, as you say, the cart before the horse. So if something is overtly divine, and we don't understand, from our understanding of Shastra, how to accommodate that, then we have to find some way to accommodate that. That's what they did did a very good job. In so many ways they've given evidence for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, his descent, that he's Krishna himself, and so forth. And Krishna Kaviraj Goswami has shown this standard. So many, many supports, support for everything he says he will give. 
based on the revealed scripture. And this he drew from all the writings of the Goswamis. So he says, Krishna Guru Bhakta Shakti Abhutar Prakash Krishna Ichai Rupe Koreno Vilas He says that Krishna takes pleasure in manifesting himself in the six manifestations that he has described and offered respects to in the first Namaskar Shloka of his Mangal Charan. What are those six? Krishna Guru Bhakta Shakti Avatar Prakash Vande Guru Nishabhaktan Ishan Ishavatarakan Tat Prakasham Satat Shakti Krishna Chaitanya Sangnakam He says they are all six in one. Echai Tatver Kori Charanavandan Pratome Samone Kori Mangala Charan I therefore worshipped the lotus feet of these six diversities of the one truth by invoking their benedictions. He's referring to the first sloka of this book, his Namaskar sloka, the first one. Now he gives it again. Vande Guru Nishabhaktan Isham Ishabhatarakan Tat Prakasham Chakti Krishna Chaitanya Sangnakam I offer my respectful obeisances unto the spiritual masters. Vande Gurun so, we've discussed this a little bit and we'll discuss it further. But basically the point is that there is a plurality of gurus that he is offering his obeisances to, not one. Then the devotees, the incarnations of the Lord, his expansions, his shaktis, and the Lord himself, Sri Krishna Chaitanya. Mantra guru, ar jato shikha guru, gone. I first offer my respectful obeisances to the lotus feet of my initiating spiritual master and all my instructing spiritual masters. Sirup Sanatan Bhatta Raghunath Sri Gopal Bhatta Das Raghunath Echai Guru Shikaguru Yamar Tansavar Padapadme Koti Namaskar These six, he mentions here six Goswamis, they are my instructing spiritual masters. Therefore, I offer millions of respectful obeisances, koti namaskara, obeisances unto their lotus feet. Padapadme koti namaskara. So the very principle that is described in Prabhupada's purport later on in this chapter is brought out by Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami here, that being that we can have one Diksha Guru and a number of Siksha Gurus. So he says he offers his obeisances to his Diksha Guru, and then he says, these six are my Shiksha Gurus. So, in this way, a plurality of Gurus. Many Shiksha Gurus, one Diksha Guru. Bhagavanir Bhakta Jata Srivas Pradhan Tan Sabhar Padapadme Sahasra Pranam. So, what he's doing here now is he's very briefly going over the six elements of this first verse. So he's mentioned the gurus, and he's explained this very, in an aphoristic way, the plurality of gurus, Diksha Guru, Siksha Guru. It may go further. Shastra Guru, Sanyas Guru, Bhartma Pradaksha Guru, this Guru, that Guru, Kula Guru, so many gurus. He elaborates briefly further, but on these two principles, Siksha Guru and Diksha Guru. So Vande Gurun, and now he talks about the Bhaktas. Bhagavan Er Bhakta Jata Shivas Pradhan Tan Sabhar Padapadme Sahasranam. There are innumerable devotees of the Lord, of whom Shiva's Thakur is the foremost. I offer my respectful obeisances thousands of times under their lotus feet. Then Adweta Charja Prabhur Angshabutar Tanra Padapadme Koti Pranatiyamar. The incarnation, which is the third element of the sixfold manifestation of the Absolute that he offers his obeisance to. Advaita is the example. Shivastaka is the example of devotees. Advaita the example of incarnation. Advaita Charja is the Prabhu Ramsabhutar. That should be clear. Tanra Pada Padme Kuti Millions of obeisances under his feet and the feet of this principle. All the avatars of the Lord. Nityananda Rai Prabhu Swarup Prakash. Tanra Pada Padma Bando Janramuidas. So, the next element is the Prakash, the expansion of the Lord, and he gives Nityananda Prabhu as example of that, and obeisances to him. Then, 
कदाधार पंडित आदि प्रभु निज शक्ति takes the position of radha as krishna is swayam bhagavan and she radha is swayam shakti so all the shaktis under her jurisdiction so gadadhar pundit adi by offering his obeisances to gadadhar he's saying i offer my obeisance to all the shaktis of the lord shri krishna chaitanya prabhu swayam bhagavan tanhara padaro vinde ananta pranam and to the supreme lord himself the sixth element Shri Krishna Chaitanya himself, who is Swayam Bhagawan, innumerable prostrations at his lotus feet. Shravane Prabhuri Kuriya Namaskare Chaiting Hujay Chaikuriya Vichar. Having offered obeisances unto the Lord and all his associates, I shall now try to explain these six diversities in one. So you see how systematically he's going about this for our benefit. So we come down further elaboration upon the principle of guru that he offers his obeisances to yadyapi amar guru chaitanya das tatopi janiye ami tanghar prakash he says even though my guru amar guru chaitanya das is a servant of chaitanya mahaprabhu tatopi janiye ami tanghar prakash at the same time i know him to be the direct manifestation of the lord what does vishwanath chakravarti thakur say is anything vishwanath chakravarti thakur say resonate with this sakshad haditena samasta shastre that is one part and kintu prabhorya priyavatasya the second part both parts are here he says i know my guru to be chaitanya das kintu prabhorya priyavatasya Sakshadharitvena Samastha Shastra. All Shastra says that he's a direct manifestation, Sakshadhari, of the Lord. But Kintu, at the same time, he's very dear to the Lord, Chaitanya Das. Now the same principle he's describing here. Of course, Vishwana Chakravati Thakur is coming later. We can say he's saying what Krishna does, Kaviraj Goswami is saying, but this is our teaching. So although my Guru is the servant of God, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. At the same time, I know him to be a direct manifestation. So here we realize from this, we're entering into a very complex topic, Guru Tattva, very difficult to understand. We hear that the Guru is Krishna himself. We hear that the Guru is representative of Radha. We hear that the Guru is representative of Balram, Nityananda Prabhu. We hear that the Guru is a servant of Krishna, which is true. all of the above and how is it so guru krishna rupahan shastra pramane guru rupe krishna kripa karena bhakta gane according to the deliberate opinion of the revealed scripture the spiritual master is non different from krishna lord krishna in the form of the spiritual master delivers his devotees acharyamam vidyaniyam navamonita karichit namartu budasuyeta sarvadeva mayo guru He's going strongly on this point first. The Guru is directly manifestation of Krishna. He's quoted Krishna himself. Krishna says, "Know the Acharya to be me, and never be envious of him. Don't ever disrespect him in any way. He's the representative of all the gods, Sarvadeva Mayo Guru." So this is the beginning idea of Guru, that he's directly manifestation of the Supreme Lord. It is the manifestation of the Supreme Lord who is all pervasive yet fully absorbed in his leela but he sends a representative empowers a representative to represent him locally for a certain sector that manifestation of Krishna we should pay most attention to mostly the guru is sadhana siddha not nitya siddha mostly the nitya siddha devotees where are they They are always with the Lord in his leela. When do they come here? 
when he comes here. Therefore, Nartam Thakur has said, Nityasiddha Shangi Gani. All of Mahaprabhu's associates, they are Nityasiddhas. In modern time, devotees have come to think that all the gurus are Nityasiddhas, coming from Golok and so forth. But more likely they are all Sadhana Siddhas, and that should give us hope. If everyone is nitya-siddha, then what we think, there's no hope. No one never became perfect by sadhana. And of course, in the ultimate issue, it makes no difference. In fact, in his commentary on Brihad Bhagavatamrita, his own book, Sanatana Goswami has said in relation to Prahlad, that the sadhana-siddha has some position, in one sense, better than the nitya-siddha, because his faith has been tested. It's kind of in a humorous way. Prahlad's faith was tested by Nishingadev himself. Take something, take something from me. Go ahead, take something. <laughs> and he refused repeatedly, he passed the test. Shuddha Bhakti, I don't want anything, I don't want anything. Amiketu China, I don't want anything. So Sanatan says, you see, the Sadhan Siddhas, they have to pass the test, and here Bhagavan himself is testing him. What is their greatness? Where Nitya Siddhas, they've never been tested. What is their devotion? It is said when one devotion is tested, then, uh, then we can know that he's learned the lesson and so forth. Of course, the Nitya Siddhas, they don't need to be tested, it's another thing, but anyway, the point is that there are Sadhana Siddhas and they are good company. Why are they good company? Another reason they are good company is because they have compassion for us. You see, mercy is a transformation of the heart. When we see the suffering condition of another and that causes our heart to transform, the feelings that are expressed then in relation to that suffering person, that's what we call mercy, compassion. So what this implies is that for one to have compassion, to show compassion, to show mercy, they have to have some proximity, some relationship with people that are suffering. If you read in the newspaper, there was an earthquake in Siberia and 200 people died. It was a terrible thing. How much does it move your heart? Usually not too much. But if it was in your hometown or if somebody that you knew was there, you had relationship with, then your heart would be moved to think, let me go there. So this transformation of heart that is mercy implies some relationship with the person that you're going to give mercy to, some proximity, some association is required. The sadhana siddhas, they have this because they have experience of the suffering of material life. Although they're siddha and they're aloof from that, like in a dream, like I had a dream last night, oh, they have a memory of that. By Krishna's will, they can show compassion. By contrast, Krishna himself only associates with his devotees. That means he's Atmaram. The Leela of Krishna, which Krishna is taking pleasure, he's taking pleasure in himself. How does he do that? His own Swarup Shakti, which is his own nature, is reposed in the hearts of his devotees, or his Nityaparikar, his eternal associates, are constituted of that Swarup Shakti. And this is what he consorts with, this is what he associates with. His Swarup Shakti means with himself. And when we get that Swarup Shakti in our heart and Bhav Bhakti, we become a devotee proper. We can have a relationship with Krishna. That is what Bhav is about. The Stai Bhav awakens and manifests and relationship begins with Krishna. Before that, we're doing some Bhakti in an apprenticeship way by the mercy of our Guru. So the point is what? Even Krishna's capacity to have mercy upon the fallen jivas is questionable. It's there, but how does it express itself? Through the sadhana siddha. That's how. Kripavutar, therefore, sometimes guru is called the incarnation of Krishna's mercy. And as this is the position of Krishna, so this is the position of Nityasiddhas. They have no experience of the material suffering, and they're eternally related with Krishna, in love, so it's questionable as to their capacity to show compassion. So through this form, primarily. Of course, in Gaur Lila, is the compassion of Krishna. 
So Krishna comes as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, so his eternal associates are writing books and so forth, and it's part of the Leela. <laughs> there again, we can appreciate the nature of the Leela of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Krishna in the Leela of Goranga. Without that, where would we be? What would our standing be? There was some discussion of this on the Sangha, maybe you read it about Sadhana Siddha Nitya Siddha. I didn't even go halfway into this because people are so <laughs> resistant and actually one fellow wrote and challenged me in private. I wrote back to him so many things. He insisted to show me from Shastra how it is possible that you can think of Prabhupada as Sadhana Siddha as if it was an insult that Prabhupada is Sadhana Siddha. To say someone is Siddha, you cannot pay them a better compliment. Nitya Siddha, Sadhana Siddha, it is not a question of quality of Siddha, of perfection. Prabhupada himself said it made no difference. The important word is Siddha. Kripa, Nitya, Sadhana Siddha. Of course, we are also taught by Saraswati Thakur, Prabhupada, that we should think of the Guru as Nitya Siddha in terms of this principle that's being mentioned here, Sakshadharitena. You can offer Tulsi to the Guru on the altar and grains on Ikadasi. If you worship the Guru in terms of the general principle, that he's direct manifestation of the Lord, therefore he's acting as the Lord, but he has a disposition of Vaishnav, so he personally won't accept that. So sometimes in Godi Sampradaya, to emphasize this point, Sakshadharitvena, here he says, Tatabhijaniye Amitanhar Prakash, but I know him directly as this manifestation of the Supreme Lord. Sometimes to emphasize this, they do. Even in Gaudiya sometimes done, they offer the Tulsi and grains to the picture of the Guru. Of course, as a Vaishnav himself, Kintu as being dear to Krishna, Chaitanya Das doesn't accept the grains on the goddess, he doesn't take Tulsi. I mean, you take the Tulsi after it's offered to Krishna. So in this sense, we will we can conceive of the Guru as Nitya Siddha, because Krishna is Nitya Siddha. The direct manifestation of Krishna must be Nityasiddha, but the other side is also there. Prabhupada was asked about this himself once, and he replied, I have been told by one astrologer that in my previous birth I was a doctor, and I committed no sin. He said, but I don't know. I cannot say, he said, I cannot say what my previous birth was, but scripture says, Suchinam Srimatam Gehe Yogo Brastu Vijayate. You know it? Bhagavad Gita? One gets birth, suchinam srimatam gehe, yoga brashtavijaj. In pious family or well-to-do family, suchinam srimatam, who has practiced yoga in the previous life, not completed the process, gets a good birth with natural sanskar for yoga and spiritual practice and takes it up again. So in discussing this very issue in a letter to one of his disciples, he said, I cannot say whether I'm, what I was in my last birth. But Shastra says this. And the implication being, and I got a fam, I got birth in a family, Suchinam, Srimatam. I got birth in a wealthy, in a pious Vaishnava family. So he's citing the scriptural evidence in support of the idea that he was Sadhana Siddha. He's saying, Shastra is saying, and so many sadhus and godbrothers would say the same thing. And still we see, his disciples have Nitya Siddha. So it's a complex subject matter, but you should be aware of these things. We should have the broad mind in this to think and accommodate like this and not be in a fanatical way to think it is an insult that my guru is Sadhana Siddha. And suddenly I think he had to have dropped down from Goloka Vrindavan by Krishna's arrangement to liberate me. In one sense, yes, because it is Krishna coming to me and I should pay attention there more than Krishna's manifest anywhere else in any deity in Vrindavan that you want to go and have darshan of. What did Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur say? He instituted the Brajmandal Parikram many, many years ago here. Came with an army of devotees and did Brajmandal Parikram. Then on the one side, opportunity came to visit the Seshnag deity. I didn't even know where that deity is on the Brajmandal Parikram, but it was announced tonight Guru Maharaj will give a talk. And tonight is the last night that you can get the darshan of this Seshnag deity. What happened? you know the story? Some few disciples showed up for the talk. And so many went for the darshan. And what did Saraswati Thakur say? Oh, there are so many Dandavat disciples. They pay Dandavat Guru Maharaj. But they don't 
really care to listen. Our Guru Maharaj, Prabhupada, was there. When the time came that he was recommended for initiation, Saraswati Thakur said, Oh yes, he listens very well. He remembered that occasion that our Prabhupada, he stayed for the talk to hear his Gurudev speak. We should understand this point, especially here in Vrindavan. We want to go see so many deities and so many places, which is good to do, and we should do that, but not that we miss the talk. What is our power to see? Where do we get our eyes? From hearing from the Vaishnav, what is the value of visiting a holy place? Hearing from the Vaishnav. Otherwise, Thakur Narutam Das has said, simply sightseeing, tourism, that's all. What makes the place holy is that the holy people reside there. We should take advantage of their company, hear from them. They may tell us, and they do readily, go here, take darshan there. These things are useful and helpful for us, especially for Kanishtadikari, that will be useful. But do not neglect the primary manifestation of Krishna in our life, Sri Guru, his service. That should be on our mind. We should see ourselves as an extension of his very limbs by which he will accomplish the important task at hand of propagating Krishna consciousness. Sridhar Maharaj once said that if in your sadhana you get the darshan of Krishna, it's possible, and he asks you to do something, to render some service, what will you do? He said, you should go to your Guru Maharaj and ask, is that the one that you're talking about? Is that the fellow? Don't just do any service for him. <laughs> First ask Guru Dev, is that him? Okay, then I'll render some service. So this is what Vishwana Chakravarti Thakur says. What did Krishna Kaviraj Goswami say? Ekman, Sakulu Vaishnava, all you Vaishnavas, Kuri. Please do this. With one mind, he, fixed mind, hear the pastimes of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. What is that fixed mind in Bhagavad Gita? Vyavasayatmika Budhireke Hakuru Nandana. What does Chakravarti Vishwanath say? Yasya Prasadat Bhagavat Prasado, Yasya Prasada Nagati Gutopi. This is one mindedness. Satisfaction of Guru is, is tantamount to satisfaction of Krishna. Not satisfying Guru, no possibility of satisfying Krishna. So, so important is this principle of Guru. They said that the Prabhu represents Guru. That means there's a ground to stand on. He's Sandini Shakti. Nityananda Prabhu. Manifesting the whole spiritual world, the material world, and the spiritual world in the material world. The ground we stand on should be the firm faith in Guru. So first point, he's emphasizing this, Sakshadhari. And that will be our beginning approach. We see the Guru as a direct manifestation of the Lord. He may be sadhana siddha, that is fine, that is normal. That is the general case. And secondarily then, as we advance, as we develop, Kintu Praboya Priyavatasya. We see him as a, also a servant of the Lord at the same time. And as a servant of the Lord, representing a particular potency of the Lord, Baldev has the jurisdiction of Shantadasya Sakya Vatsalya, and Radhika the jurisdiction of Madhurya. So, relative to how we see the Guru internally, representing a particular potency of the Lord, and thereby as dear to the Lord, because his Shakti is dear to him, this is a more developed vision. So it is to say, Guru is Krishna himself, Guru is representation of Radha or Baldev, it is not contradictory. The Shakti is non different from the Lord as well. This verse from Bhagavatam, this Praman, Pramanasloka Charjamam Vijaniyam, this is from Bhagavatam, 11th canto. Krishna is saying, you should see the Guru as my very self. The context in which this verse appears is in a discussion with Udhav about Barnashram Dharma and Kuluguru, the family guru, the ashram in the Gurukul, not even necessarily Sadguru. Ultimately, it applies to Sadguru, but I'm bringing out this point just to emphasize the point, what regard we should have for the Guru. Krishna is saying this, that the Kuluguru is my very self. Otherwise, we're generally taught Kuluguru, we can 
if we meet Sadhguru, we can take diksha from him, a different kind of diksha then. So my point is that Krishna is saying, even the Kulu Guru, but to speak then of Sadhguru, a real Guru, a realized Guru, represents me. So this kind of regard we should have. It's not a law. I mean, it is a law, but in another sense, it's not a law. It's a sense that we should arrive at from hearing from a guru that causes us to want to take shelter there, make that connection. So it's a happy thing. One must accept the guru. It means I must do this. I feel moved. I must do. My head is bowed here when I hear the talk, when I see the example. I recognize this. My prospect lies here. My future lies here. My hope in life lies here. I must do it. Rather than you must do it, it's a law and it's imposed upon you and forced upon you because you're in a certain geographical area and somebody lives there and he's the zonal this or that and these kind of things. <laughs> this is all a distortion of the principle. And out of some charisma, never bothering to explain the Shastra or anything, never taking the time, can't even meet the person. Some arrangement is made and you are initiated and... No, not like this. Not like Ritvik either. <laughs> not like that. Guru business is to explain the Shastra to us. He's not our psychologist, marriage counselor, any of these things. That's not his realm. If he enters into this realm, he enters into the realm of relativity. And when he says something, gives some relative advice that doesn't work for you, then you blame him, then the whole thing goes to hell. Better he shouldn't meddle in that realm, and we shouldn't expect that of him either. Simple. We should come to him for one purpose, to know what is the meaning of Shastra, and he should be capable of explaining that and clearing our doubts. We should have basic faith in Shastra. Otherwise, if he cites Shastra and you don't have faith in it, it won't clear your doubts. So if you have to awaken faith in Shastra and then explain the Shastra to us, clear our doubts and let our heart come out. So this, obviously, in relation to this Ritvik controversy, implies he has to be here, present. It's not that Prabhupada wrote some books and 10,000 years from now they're going to answer everybody's questions and that they comprehensively and authoritatively represent all of the scripture for all time and all circumstance. It's a silly idea. The Prabhupada said my books will be the law books for the next 10,000 years. If people can't take that statement as a cute, you know, statement rather than a law book, I reply, when will it start? Let's take it literally. They'll be the law books for the next 10,000 years. Okay. Well, when, when will the high court judge, you know, the Supreme Court in the United States start deciding all the cases from Prabhupada's books. That's what it means, right? The law books for the next 10,000 years? That's what he said, right? When's it going to start? Time's getting on. <laughs> They're counting the 10,000 years, and by a literal explanation of that, they haven't even started yet. They're not the law books. So obviously it's a generous kind of statement. Yes, my books, yes, certainly. They'll be the law books. Somebody probably said, Prabhupada, I think that your books are, yes, are law books. Yes, they will be law books for the next 10,000 years. Why not? What are my books? The Srimad Bhagavatam, that is the law of the universe. I'm explaining that, yes, in some general way. But 10,000 years, there will be no new explanation. We cannot even conceive of a 1,000 years. 500 years, you said Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came. What's transpired in 500 years? There could be a couple of ice ages in that time. So therefore they're burying the books in some capsule and trying to preserve them, <laughs> which is a good thing to do also, but that nothing, no new light will come. How a religious tradition will keep its relevance if no new light comes? And what will be the value of saying, my guru is the best, but you cannot have any representative who can represent him in the future authoritatively to take this position and explain according to time and circumstance. Prabhupada said what? What was the standard of the success of his mission? Who can say? If I can make one pure devotee, I will consider my mission a success. According to the Ritvik group, he wasn't able to do that. But his mission is a great success. It will go on for the next 10,000 years and he will be the guru. Then they say, well, no, he could make a pure devotee, but he doesn't want him to be a guru. He wants to be the guru. 
So when people start arguing like this, then you know, eh, they're not interested in coming to the truth. If you want to stick on one position, then you can make up anything as you go along and add to it and flush out the theory and, and so forth. And that's what they're doing. Making up as they go along. When you give a good argument, then they alter a little bit and adjust. If you say, well, then you, the principle is you should have a guru. If nobody qualified in this mission, then doesn't mean you invent something new. You go find someone qualified outside the mission. You know, no, probably didn't want anybody to go outside of the mission. It has to be in the mission. And this way, this is silly. And people that are accepting this, are preaching this to people who don't know anything. They're preaching Krishna's God, Mayavad is incorrect, and Krishna's source of Narayan. Very nice points, good points. And a thoughtful person will be taken by that as our Siddhanta. They're drawn in by some basic talk. They have faith. And then they tell them whatever they want. Whatever they think they know that they don't know that is, that is Apasiddhanta. And some innocent person thinks, oh yes, Ritvik. And I'll be initiated by Prabhupada. And that's going on. And you have the experience. And the people are being cheated by this. No, we need a guru present who can explain the scripture to us, go through it in detail, set an example for us. If he doesn't know the answer, he should say, I don't know the answer. I may love Krishna, but I don't know everything. And generally the question we ask that he doesn't know the answer to is just the detail is not relevant to our immediate spiritual progress. He knows what we need to know, what we need to hear. We used to ask questions of Prabhupada and he'd ignore us. Or he'd just say what he wanted to say without answering the question. That's another thing. So generally this way we have to have what they call a living guru to explain the scripture to us. And then so having explained this principle, the Guru is directly the manifestation of the Supreme Lord, having offered his obeisances to Diksha Guru and Siksha Guru, then he begins to elaborate on Siksha Guru. It gives a little bit more explanation of the principle of Siksha Guru than Diksha Guru. So we'll hear about that in the next class. Are there any questions? Yeah. The question is, who is Madhu Pandit in relation with Gopinath? Madhu Pandit was uh, one of the eternal associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and he worshipped that deity. And in Jaipur, where the deity is, there's also some remnants of Madhu Pandit's hat and coat made out of Tulsi beads. They're kept there. But he does not share the position with Raghunath Das Goswami as Prayojan Tattva Acharya. That is Raghunath Das's position based on his writings. We don't have any writing of Madhu Pandit that I know, but he was a great eternal associate of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and he personally worshipped that deity. Das Goswami personally didn't worship that deity. Who did he worship? Govardhan Shila. Why? And who's never not born in the Brahma family can't worship Shalagram Shila, right? <laughs> or a woman, or the deity. Therefore, give him a stone from Govardhan. Who cares for that? <laughs> this is what people think. No. Who has Diksha in the Guru Parampara? He has Adhikar for Archan. Because Archan is one of the Navalakshan, nine limbs of Bhakti. He can worship the deity, he can worship Shalagram, she can worship, if she has Diksha, the deity can worship Shalagram. These statements are for those who don't have Diksha. Now some people think the smarter community at the time, oh, Raghunathas Goswami, he was a Sudra, therefore he couldn't worship Shalagram or the deity, therefore he only worshipped the stone of Govardhan. But Mahaprabhu, if we study that, he gave that stone from Govardhan, Ragmark deity, and he taught Raghunathas how to worship him with his heart. Anyway, that's a whole other story. So anyway, Raghunathas Goswami is the Projan Tattva Charja. And the Gopinath really represents that. So in that way he has connection. Your other question?
We are not uh, in Iskan, we are not in Goliamat. Goliamat is many things in many places. Original Goliamat, that is Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthi Thakur's formal society. If you want to call Godivanta Samiti Goliamat, if you want to call any one of the other Gaudiya mission Goliamat, the same way you can call Iskan Goliamat. Because those missions are made up of disciples of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur that left the Gaudiyamat officially in Mayapur, which was given to the care of Tirtha Maharaj, and started their own mission. So in Gaudiyamat, in Mayapur, they don't recognize any of those moths as the missions of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur. You understand? So you're in the mission of your Guru Maharaj, whatever he calls it, if he calls it Godiamat, okay, it's Godiamat. But as much as you're not in ISKCON, which is a formal institution that has certain rules and parameters and so forth and governing body, so you're not in Godiamat, you're not under the jurisdiction of Mayapur and their GBC, Yati Maharaj, and who's the successor of Tirtha Maharaj and so forth. You're not in Narayan Maharaj's mission, you're not in this mission that we may be affiliated with, but so that's why she said no, right? And you said yes, because we find some Sangha there, so... But you have your own identity, why not? And however your Guru Maharaj thinks about it, that is another thing. Maybe for fraternity and community, he wants to say we are with Gaudiamat. But really, he's his own species. And if anybody from Gaudiamat comes to his Mat, they'll say, this is not Gaudiamat. If anybody from Iskan comes to say, this is not Iskan. <laughs> They're both right. <laughs> Anything else? All right, so we stop there. Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita ki jai, Krishna Skavaraj Goswami Mahasaya ki jai, Esi Bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupada ki jai, Bhakti Raksak Sridhar Goswami Maharaj ki jai, Sri Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur Prabhupada ki jai, Gauri Vashnav Guru Parampara ki jai, Sri Siddhartha Maran Mohan ki jai, Sri Gubindadev ki jai, Sri Siddhartha Gopinath ki jai, Sri Sri Krishna Balaram ki jai, Gauradha Mahadev ki jai, Gaur Bhakta Vrinda ki jai, O Premanandi.